Yeah, it's a weird old world, man. I mean, I just like basketball, and I was like, let me just like cover the sport <laughs> yeah. that I like. And next thing you know, I'm like, I'm learning about the craziest. Like, I've learned a lot about Deutsche Bank. You know what I mean? I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> why? Why do I have to know about Deutsche Bank to like basketball? Like, what's the deal? Like, but I feel like I'm cheating. Like, if I don't look into it, right? It's like we should know who runs the dang sport at some point. Watch a movie. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Quick, quick, quick. Strawberry banana. Oh, Please, Please don't aggregate this. Lillard. Long range three. Ah! Their defense is atrocious. atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. Right on the cowboy. People. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love the playing there. Oh, man. I'm sorry. sorry. It's just hitting me right now. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? Hey, guys. It's Chris. Quick message here at the top of the show today. Um, ben and I actually recorded this episode that you're going to hear uh, a little while ago. It was actually right before the groundswell of protesting happened here in the United States with everything related to the death of George Floyd. Um, And Ben and I just didn't really feel it was appropriate to run the episode at that time. Basically, there were were more important things to discuss socially, culturally, politically, and frankly, you know, how those things related to the NBA, uh, athletes here in the United States, and and whatever. So out out of respect for the moment, and in solidarity with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, we wanted to sort of unclutter the airwaves of NBA content for a bit and kind of keep the focus on racial and social injustice. And um, I think, you know, the good news is that that focus isn't really going anywhere, uh, certainly not on our end here at Swish FM. Um, Ben and I, you know, want to incorporate more social and historical context and talk into these 1994 NBA rewatches and also just generally speaking um, throughout the the course of the show moving forward. And um, we want to try to give a greater sense and a greater picture of what was happening in the world socially, uh, economically, politically, culturally, whatever, as these games were unfolding here in 1994 and how those things were part of a a greater conversation with, with athletes and professional sports leagues like the NBA. Um, so, um, yeah, so we're back today with the, uh, the 1994 NBA finals. Oh, also really quick. Um, if you're interested and you like the sort of stuff that Ben and I typically talk about, we are on the pick and roll podcast, uh, talking about our NBA fandom, our frustrations, you know, with the current state of the league and the league's politics are changed from on the line to Swish FM, you know, our love for the for the 90s Knicks, the NBA restart, the Orlando bubble, a host of other topics. So please, if you're interested, um, find that podcast. It's an iTunes, SoundCloud, you know, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Dee and Gavin are the hosts. These guys are awesome uh, basketball historians living in the UK. You've heard us talk about them on the Swish FM podcast. Uh, this is this is the infamous, the famous Pick and Roll UK. These are the guys who uh, who uploaded all the Knicks games that we've been rewatching famously with commercials. So check out their show. Check out the episode that Ben and I just did. Again, it's called the Pick and Roll podcast. If you're searching it in iTunes, make sure you use the ampersand. Uh, pick ampersand roll podcast and their website is pick and roll so check it out very fun conversation 
And um, that's it. All right, without further ado, here it is, game one of the 1994 NBA Finals between the New York Knicks and the Houston Rockets. Enjoy. Yeah, let's turn Let's turn to some good news. Uh, the game one of the 1994 NBA Finals. And of course, we're also recording this, Chris. I have, I have some other very good, very uh, breaking news, which of course, oh. the... Uh, the uh, latest tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski. Wait, what? Hey everyone, the NBA is back. Oh, no. The NBA, it's back. It's all good. Everyone can feel better now. Yep, it's we're back. back. Yeah, we're back. It's, Wait, it's ben, everything's back to normal. It's all question. good. It, does this uh, mean? Does this mean that we have to drop? our coverage of the 94 NBA finals or are we supposed to just dive in with you know Giannis Giannis versus Harden who's the real MVP are we going to dive into the rookie of the year conversation Ben are we going to dive into I mean uh, I think we have to immediately break down <laughs> our playoff predictions Ben is Luka uh, Doncic a first teamer or, an, or oh a second teamer all NBA I can't I, mean, <laughs> I can't wait to, to give you my takes on the Sixers ben, versus Celtics rivalry is he a point guard is he a point guard yeah. or a forward like what Oh it, man. man, I gotta I gotta dip into some stats on Basketball <laughs> Reference. I gotta update my fantasy basketball yeah. team. Um, it's back. It's God. a great day of celebration uh, for all of us. I, I have been personally could not be morning. more thrilled and relieved. Yeah. Um, my life uh, is is. Uh, I mean, I feel like my life is back. Uh, sure. You know, it's it's just the best. I can't sure. wait. Um. Uh. I want to. I want to turn on <sighs> my ESPN. I want to watch. Yeah. Excited to have those uh, Russell Westbrook per debates. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah. I want to hear what Chris Webber has to say. I want to hear what. Um. Yeah. What all? What all? All my favorite commentators, Reggie Miller. Can the Rockets? Um, can the Houston Rockets finally get over the hump with Coach man, D'Antoni and this run and gun he, offense? What do we think? I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. Is Kyrie going to come back from injury in time for the, the Sixers, for the Brooklyn man? Nets run? How can about those Sixers? Is Jason Tatum yeah. going to carry his team to the finals? Oh man! So do so many exciting storylines. Has Tatum finally emerged as a superstar, Ben? Has he made the leap? I think we should have an entire podcast about, <laughs> about whether, whether or not Jason, Jason Tatum has made, made the, leap. the leap. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really can't wait. Um, and what about but, Kawhi uh, and those Clippers? Of course, Kawhi. Oh. Oh. How, how I mean, you talk about a, a battle in the streets. Uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, those Lakers versus Clippers. That's oh, the real man. battle of Los Angeles. Sure, 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 yeah. sure. Well, all right. Well, the, the, the good news is we still have a few weeks, Ben, before we have to dive back into the important questions. So for today, we're going to stick with the 94 playoff run. We're going to stick with the 1994 NBA Finals, Ben. The date uh. is June 7th, 1994 the New York is it seventh or eighth? I thought it was the eighth. Is it the eighth? I could be wrong. Uh, let me double check here. It is yeah, June eighth, ninety four. So funny. I'll tell you why in a second. <laughs> okay. Um, June eighth, nineteen ninety four. The New York Knicks are at the Houston Rockets for Game One of the of the nineteen ninety four NBA Finals. It's the NBA on NBC. Oh yeah. Marv Albert and Matt Lucas. This is the NBA on NBC. The 1994 NBA. Tonight, game one between the New York Knicks and the Houston Rockets. A sweltering June night in the city of Houston. Uh, what's funny about the date is that I actually, you know, for my own like little notes, I Googled uh, like, you know, Knicks Rockets 94. NBA Finals game one date. 
mm-hmm. and I saw a score pop up, and I and I I, I knew this would happen. So like I intentionally I, like blurred my eyes. Yep, yep. I, I know I, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and I was just like squinting. And yep. um, what's interesting about the number that I see in the squint is that so obviously I was squinting so hard that I couldn't read whether it was seventh or eighth. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible and close. Yeah, I know you can't can't have any spoilers. But yeah, what I did safe. what I did see was the first score. You know, it, the, the first score in the total. I remember being a very low number. I think mm. it was like in the seventies. And I was like, holy smokes, like <laughs> that, that, that can't be possible. Now I yeah, don't know, no. I don't know if that was the winning score or the losing score, but one way or the other, one of these teams, it seems like maybe isn't going to be scoring a lot of points. Hmm. Go figure. So I was keeping that in mind. Um, but anyway, so we, we had the NBA on NBC, um, we open with a great Bob Costas intro video. We've come to know and love and expect these. Oh and yeah, very, very. I feel like like long, like twice as long as usual. Yeah. Really setting it up, very stirring. Yeah, it was uh, funny, man. We're reminded in the video that Patrick Ewing and Hakeem Olajuwon once met in the NCAA championships a decade prior. Of course, yep, Patrick exactly ten years earlier. Yeah, Patrick bested Hakeem. Um, when he was playing with Georgetown and the Dream was playing with the University of Houston. And so it's very apropos, very fitting that the two uh, juggernauts, the two, you know, the Titans, the Giants, meet up here in the NBA Finals once again. Uh, Patrick, the Jamaican, Hakeem, the Nigerian. Um, Yeah, man, I mean... Give me me some opening thoughts here uh, from from your uh, watch of the pregame. Yeah, just a very uh, kind of uh, interesting and and unique uh, matchup because we have, for the first time in, I don't know how many years, um, the two marquee players on the opposing teams. Well, first of all, there's going to be a new champion um, for the the first time, uh, you know, in... in Basically, it's not going to be the Lakers, Celtics, Pistons, or Bulls, um, which is uh, the, will be the first time since 1983 when the Sixers won it. Um, but of course, the first time since uh, 1990 that the Bulls didn't win it. Um, so there's going to be a new champion. It's t- it's two teams with um, uh, you know completely built around um, you know marquee big men uh, in Ewing and Elijah. it's kind of like the first finals since. I don't know. I guess the Sixers and Lakers, when Moses Malone and Kareem were um, uh, pitted against each other, but even those teams had plenty of other, you know, stars like Julius and Magic Johnson. Um, they kind of complemented the the big man matchup. Um, but this is the first one where it's really just like you know, giant versus giant um, yeah. in however long. Um, uh, yeah, you noted that that's two immigrants, uh, which is kind of you know interesting. Um, and that is, uh, yeah, like you said, it's a rematch of the uh, the '84 NCAA championship, um, which uh, they note that Elijah won outscored Ewing in that game, but Georgetown won the game. Um, so yeah, um, you know, lots lots riding on this. Also, um, in the pregame, Bob Costas Thus, notes that Rudy Tomjanovich's Rockets are heavily favored to win this series. After all, they've won eight of their last ten games this postseason, while the Knicks needed every last second and some would say every last call to finally subdue the Bulls and then hold off the Pacers. I definitely remember thinking, like, 
<laughs> yeah, the Rockets are really good. I am yeah, not, not feeling my, like that's not my memory of the series. But like Maybe. heavily favored yeah. is like a is strong. pretty strong language. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks, uh, the Knicks had a had a record of fifty seven and twenty five on the season. The Rockets were fifty eight and twenty four that year. Of course, they did have Hakeem, who was the league's MVP. Um, and I sort of like, you know, I knew that he was very good, but I also knew that the Knicks oh, yeah. defense was very good and that, you know, they had just, uh, survived to like absolutely, you know, gut wrenching, uh, just, you know, torturous series, um, in the coming out of the East. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I was like, this is not going to be easy, but I didn't feel like, oh, this is like, we're a huge underdog. I you know? 100% thought we could win. Not that we would win, but I definitely thought yeah. we could win. Um, yeah. and that's probably maybe my just childhood bias as a fan, like wanting to believe we could win. But I also just felt sure. like, you know, we had what I would consider with the Knicks probably the best defense in the league. And it's not like the, I mean, the Houston Rockets were very good, but it's not like they had the greatest offense of all time. It's not like this is this is not showtime here with the Houston yeah. Rockets or anything. No, I actually looked it up. And Houston, uh, according to Basketball Reference, they had an offensive rating uh, of 15th out of, 20, yeah. out of the 27 leagues. Uh, New York league. had 16th. League average, right? Yeah, so exactly. Was, it, League it, average. They yeah. did have the second uh, uh, defense defensive rating, second highest defensive rating. Of course, the Knicks had the first highest. So it's like, all right, so they're pretty, a pretty even matchup. Pretty evenly matched. Uh, yeah. I think the big story with me was, you know, in my thinking, was just kind of like, I'm not worried about our defense. It's going to be a matter of can the Knicks offense keep up with whatever offense the Rockets can muster? Because as we know, the Knicks were just such a hot and cold team as far as yeah. offense and production goes, you know? Not uh, not great at generating uh, offense when they really needed to. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, that, that is an understatement, I would Dude, say. Dude, I, I think you started touching on this, um, but it was interesting to me, man. Like, during our playoff... Th- this feels like for the first time during our playoff rewatch during this run that we've been doing that we really have, like, a giant-on-giant giant matchup. You know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of Patrick versus Hakeem. I mean, I know... Um, Bill Cartwright was a spectacular player and Rick Smith was a spectacular player, but Patrick really had both of those guys outclassed in both cases. Yeah, of course. Those guys were in all-stars. This is the first time where it feels like the game plan is pretty straightforward for both teams, which is like feed the giant in the paint and play good Mm -hmm. defense and see, Mm -hmm. and it was just going to be like a slugfest of like which giant could play better. Um, yeah, and it became pretty que- became pretty clear that that was going to be how this series would unfold, like very early here in the first quarter. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, one last note before we d- uh, dive into the game action here, I just have to point out how fucking ridiculous and pathetic and disgusting it is that the Rockets' uh, intro music um, in the summit is the fucking Chicago Bulls song.
Serious by Alan Parsons Project. The song that is the like famous basically entirely because it is known as the Michael Jordan Chicago Michael Bulls Jordan. intro song. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the it's the it's the Bulls championship, you know. Uh like every time you hear that song, you imagine Chicago Stadium and the Chicago PA announcer announcing the Bulls starting lineup. So I hear Wait, that song come on. You don't imagine Otis Thorpe when you hear that song? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like like not only do they not have a fucking laser show, but they just were like so lazy and unimaginative to just be like, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, uh, we, it's, it's a basketball game. We need to like hype the crowd up. What should we do? Um, I don't like the bulls have that pretty cool song. Why don't we just use that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's fine. Let's just do that. It's just like, it's yeah. So, so, uh, fucking, uh, lame and, and whack. Um, so just wanted to point that out. Um, and like, all right. I mean, should we, well, real quick, Matt Gukas in the pregame, I just want to point out, I know this yeah. is, this made my ears perk up. Matt Gukas wondering aloud if John Starks and Vernon Maxwell can keep their tempers in check. Well, John Starks kept his emotions under control in the conference final against the Pacers and definitely played his best basketball since coming back from knee surgery. And Vernon Maxwell already with nine technical fouls, far more than anyone else in the playoffs, got the message from his teammates at a players-only meeting just last monday and that message was for max to keep his composure Ooh, yeah that is a ben cross special right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's another fun little matchup not uh not 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 their their uh, basketball games uh it's their tempers no they're it's, the, it's 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 the big matchup of temper versus temper yes mad, mad max versus john starks um incredible yeah, yeah. Uh, very excited to see how uh, how that emotional uh, rivalry um, plays out. All right. So I'm going to say the same thing that I always say. Uh, let's get through the first half, the first three quarters as quickly as po- as quickly as possible. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk in sort of big summary terms, especially here in the first half, and then we can break down some very specific stuff in the uh, third and fourth quarters. Yeah, yeah. The first thing I note just is like a lot of sloppy play to start, right? Just like it seems very jittery, a couple of uh, bad missed shots, bad missed passes, turnovers. Hakeem Mm -hmm. gets called for a traveling violation. It just seems first couple minutes of the game on both ends, Knicks and Rockets, it's just very jittery and uh, a lot of nervous energy. Yeah, there's definitely finals jitters. Of course, uh, Houston was coming off something like like a six day layoff or maybe even longer than that. I forget exactly when they wrapped up. Their Western Conference uh, series, I think in like five games, uh, while the Knicks obviously had to slog it out um, with Indiana. Um, So they've had a long layoff. Uh, They come out a little cold. Knicks are obviously a little jittery. Um, It's not uh, not great basketball. Um, And now, I mean, on top of that, at at what point, Chris, do you think we need to discuss the... uh, Let's talk about it the quality yeah. of the of the broadcast so um as all of our listeners are probably now aware we've been uh viewing these games from a since defunct uh youtube account called pick and roll uk um which for a brief period had this incredible vast library of old basketball games uh in full um before they were all taken down off of youtube um but so I I, uh, uh, I I grabbed this this recording before it was removed from YouTube. So this is from the Pick and Roll UK account, as with all of our other games. Um, but unlike our, our previous recordings, um, this is also a, a News 4 Colorado uh, affair. 
which was the same source for the uh, for the Pacers game seven and I think maybe game six as well. I forget. Um, but this one has a a different quality to it. Um, it is. Uh, at first, it was, like, kind of a subtle, like, huh, why this feels, like, a little off. Like, the video quality was, like, you know, none. Of, it's always, you know, obviously SD, not, not very uh, good quality video. Um, but on top of that, this one had, like, a weird movement to the camera. Um, and this would become something that, like, slowly... Uh, like infiltrated my brain and like infested my my consciousness um because it wasn't just like if anyone's ever seen like a uh you know a uh like a bootleg uh dvd from like fucking chinatown where it's clearly just a guy filming a movie theater screen with a camcorder um it was like that um but like if it, it wasn't just that there were also like weird graphical elements within the video and for the life of me i mean i'm a professional video editor slash producer and i feel like i'm pretty um i have a pretty extensive like experience with like different like video qualities and effects and like how uh you know like how video works and like how it degrades over time i have never in my entire life or career seen a piece of video that it like clearly it's like just like the tape must have degraded but in a way that made the on-screen graphics like seem to warp and move independently of the rest of the screen um i I don't know it's one of the most confusing things it's probably stupid to even talk about and we should just move on but it like colored my entire experience of watching this game 1000% colored my experience and I would say Ben it was like a slow it was like a slow curve like it starts with a very gentle sort of like rock like it starts like 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 almost like a yoga class begins with just like some really subtle like stretching some really like subtle rocking from like Left to right, left to right. We're just getting warming up our body a little bit. We're just shaking the camera a little bit. And it's kind of like, you know, as the viewer, you're like, okay, no big deal. Like, I can handle this. Hey, I'm just grateful to be able to watch this old game. You know, it's footage from 1994. This is the real thing. Like, hey, you know, like, whatever it takes, just happy to be here. You know, so we start with like a a nice little gentle rock back and forth. And then the sort of like hallucinogenics kick in. And like the graphics on the screen, you know, like the, they'll pull up like Otis Thorpe's like, you know, points per game, whatever. The graphics on the screen at some point just start like winking at you and just like, yep. Like at one point it'll be like you know um, you know Kenny Smith total rebounds and it will just like wave, it'll just like wave at you, and you're like, oh my god! Like I lost track of how many of those magic oh mushrooms I took, but yeah, um, we are in the thick of it here. So I I would say like at, at a certain point during the first quarter it went from like a gentle rock, a slow rock to like a full on hallucinogenic drug experience. And yeah. there is no way to talk about this game for us without sort of 
acknowledging that it was basically like a like a drug trip for us it was a drug trip um while also feeling drunk and being on like a deep sea fishing boat um yeah i described it to you as like being on a booze cruise where you're like i don't want to be on this booze cruise anymore yeah they keep bringing me more terrible beer and i keep like hanging over the railing throwing up Right, right. To be clear, it's up. not the it's not the fun good part of a drug trip. No, no, it's no. like it's the point where you're like, okay, this has been good, but I I'm go I want to be done with this now. Yeah. I want all of this uh, sensation to leave my body. Right. Um, and I want to like lie down and like, like and, and be through with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it but you're not through with it. It's no. not through with you. No, you're and just getting you started. You have to just. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not it wasn't wasn't pleasant. It's really too bad that it's such a visual thing. Uh, so there's really no way for us to like uh, communicate this with our listeners. <laughs> I'll try to maybe um, I, I like clipped a couple of the the more egregious examples of it because it happens throughout the entire game. Um, maybe I can try to post a couple on Twitter so that people have like some idea of what we're talking about. But it, just to be clear, it's not like I could totally deal with this and live with it if it was an obvious like, oh, someone just filmed their TV screen with a video camera for some reason, um, and that's that's the the recording that we have. That would be fine. Like it would be like, okay, this yeah. is kind of annoying, but like I get it. Like that makes sense in my brain. I can accept that. But this was not that. There were times when it looked like it was like a like an entire swaying of a handheld camera, but there were other times when the swaying existed like within the broadcast, yeah. or it would sway only when it cut from like one camera shot to another camera shot, which wouldn't make any sense for like a handheld camera to move um, at that moment. You know, it was just yeah. like there like stuff that I just like literally as a video editor i can't explain how it happened um and like and like like and and they're like it's not all right i don't know we should just move on no we can't move on (laughs) we can only talk about it um there is one vital component here because again this really informs our experience of the Uh, game but there's uh one vital experience uh there's one vital piece of information here which is that we are watching as you mentioned ben we're watching this game on NBC4 Colorado. And yeah. Ben, it turns out Colorado on this June evening was having some inclement weather. Oh no. There was That's a tor- <laughs> There was a tornado warning. There was a tornado warning, Ben. Yeah. And what happens the, is during the, the news course, for a tea storm. They don't have they don't quite have enough room on the screen to, to write out thunderstorm, so it's just T hyphen storm. So what happens is we start Getting these uh, the the uh, what's it called the the Chiron is Chiron yeah yeah like the lower third Chiron yeah yeah. the lower third Chiron starts giving us these thunderstorm updates these tornado updates and boy oh boy Ben does is it the perfect marriage of a visual experience watching a drug addled (laughs) broadcast. Um, yeah. While getting these updates on on a tornado, yeah. Um, specifically, the first one that I really notice is around 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Yep. 15:30. There's, yep. there's a fast break, and as uh, the Knicks get a fast break, they they get the ball in transition, and um, Derek Harper kicks the ball to Patrick. Yeah. Patrick intercepts it, kicks it to Harper, who's breaking down. As the T-Storm warning news for graphic dishes to Charles Smith for a dunk. 
but and it's a man, thunderous dunk. Now it's I'm a like two-handed dunk. I have to frame. say, like it. There is. Oh my god. All right, so this graphic is moving all over the fucking place. Um, like it is bouncing. Like it's as if the graphic is um, <laughs> like on a piece of like clear plastic, like like paper, like cellophane, or like <laughs> like it's the type of paper you would put on like a like an overhead projector. You know, like tracing um, paper. Yeah, tracing paper. Sure, that's like laid over the video, the the you know the game footage. <laughs> And this piece of paper is just being um, handled by, like, a three-year-old who's just, like, moving it all around, like, giggling to himself. Like, it's all, like, goofy and crazy, um, and it's, like, a funny thing. But that is not, like, similarly reflected in the game footage. The game footage is, like, relatively static. So somehow the graphic footage is decoupled from the game footage and is moving independently. It's it literally what's, just what's, what's vital slowly dro- drove me insane. Yeah, what's, um, what's vital about that experience is so the listener might be saying, "All right, what's the big deal?" So the Chiron is is moving basically a little bit, and it's not totally in sync with the game broadcast. What's what's key here is the Chiron isn't just moving north south. It's also moving east-west. So oh, yeah. Literally, it's wobbling. It's going diagonal at one point. It's the experience I think it's, of an earthquake, basically. Um, yeah. It's it's the experience of an earthquake. It's the experience of... You oh, know, my God. It's zo- it's literally... It's getting bigger and smaller. It's zooming in and out. Again, totally independent of the rest of the camera, mm-hmm. uh, of the game. Um, it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. It's so... I'm watching it right now, and it's, it's just, just it's just so illogical. It like again, I don't ca- like as long as my brain can like understand something and like it honestly uh, looks animated. It. it looks animated, right? Yeah, yeah. The way it moves. it's also oh my god, it's so wild, and it stays on the screen for a very long time. This T storm warning we're gonna be uh, we're gonna revisiting we're over and over and over again and it's big enough that it obscures it blocks out like the play yeah. uh, for, for like stretches it blocks out the score and the time in the game that's a vital um, key key piece of information right there yeah the said, news like, for a t-storm warning uh, get used we, to it folks we cannot ignore this because it is so big <sighs> this is taking up a solid one-third of our of our visual like like reference point this is like taking yeah. up a third of our screen to be honest with you, Chris, it felt like a little bit of foreshadowing for the incident that we have referenced uh, yes. earlier. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, what if this this T storm is obviously like at a certain point, I I literally googled Colorado thunderstorm June eighth, nineteen ninety four, because I was like, how bad was this? How bad um, was it? This thing is on the screen so prominently and so frequently, like uh, it's basically omnipresent throughout the game. And I'm thinking to myself, like, my God, like, like thousands must have died in this thunderstorm uh, or tornado or whatever it was, um, and, because it's so so huge. Um, and uh, shit, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought. Talking um, about uh, the the severity of the thunderstorm in. 19- oh yeah, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, why doesn't the the broadcast just go picture in picture? If it's that important, just minimize the game completely and make like half the screen thunderstorm warning updates um because clearly 
Like this is a this is a thing that News Four is extremely extremely concerned about. Wow, this is wild, man. I am finding <laughs> some. Um, I'm, I'm finding something on June eighth, nineteen ninety four, Eastern Colorado. A tornado. A, a tornado over Eastern Colorado. Wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, there you go. Thank God we were warned about it. <laughs> yep. Wow. <laughs> I wonder how many how many lives were saved by uh, by Actually, News 4 Colorado. Ben, it was called a gust NATO near the a south. Gust NATO. A gust NATO. G U S T N A D O. Gust NATO near the okay. southwestern Nebraska, northeastern Colorado border. Wow. June eighth. 1994 at about 5 p.m. Gosh, Isn't that yeah, wild? that's right. That's right around the time the, the game would have been on. Um, well, there you go, folks. Um, we uh, that's some some live on the air fact checking for you. Um, yeah. So anyway, I mean, yeah. We obviously let's go th- keep going through the sure. game, but just know, folks, that as we discuss these, you know pretty much meaningless little details and play-by-play um all we're really thinking about is the t-storm warning and the movement of the camera swaying uh giving us motion sickness and and, yeah uh, let's be very clear all we're really thinking about is how it affects us watching the game (laughs) yes our primary focus with this entire podcast is and has always been about us and our emotional health um, yeah. Because Ben, as we've discussed many times, this is a therapy podcast. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. All right? It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me, all right? Don't fuck with me, Sean. Not you. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the gust NATO, the thunderstorm warnings, the tornado warnings over eastern Colorado here did not help me one bit as we no. rewatched this game. It was anxiety inducing. Uh, yeah. I felt seasick. And I just. I mean, it, it paired perfectly. It contributed uh, so, so like. Uh, just like on point yes. um, with the with the game itself. Every um, Knicks miss, every Rockets miss. It yeah. feels like when the ball clangs out of the rim, it's it, it felt like it was being coupled with a jarring like camera move right. um, from the tornado. And yeah, I mean it makes sense why uh, you know how, how these teams shot in the second half because I I would also find it very difficult uh, to shoot a basketball if I were on mushrooms on the deck of a fishing boat. That's right. That's right. So um, all right, let's pick up you know anywhere here in the first. Um, Knicks get off to a decent start. Um, Charles Smith hits a jumper. The Knicks are up 12-7 with about six minutes and change left. We have Mm -hmm. a Pat Riley interview where where, uh, he's talking about Hakeem's talents, how he can be, you know, effective both with double and triple teams. We watched uh, a 47-minute post-tape of the three playoff rounds against Portland, Phoenix, and Utah. And we saw him being doubled and tripled and playing single coverage. He still scored and everybody else got off. And uh, so you got to make him work. You got to try to limit his catches. Uh, you got to put two, three different guys on him. And you just got to make him work for it. Now, he's a great, great player and he will continue to work. But we don't want to break our defense down and give them 
all of the things they get out of their post game. So, you know, we will pick and choose during the course of the game when we will double team him. But for the most part, uh, we want to contain the other players too. Riley says the Knicks, you know, will need to pick and choose when they double team Hakeem. But basically, the key to beating the Rockets here is going to be try to shutting down his supporting cast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not too much else. It's, uh, yeah, Houston's kind of climbing back. Uh, Hakeem is looking uh, incredible in the first half. Yep. Uh, I mean, the first quarter, kind of just getting whatever he wants. Um, Ewing picks up a second foul uh, with like about three and a half minutes left in the first, which was very dumb. He kind of shoves Hakeem in the back as he's dunking it. Um, Carl Herrera checks in uh, after... I have a pretty critical moment that we need to discuss, Ben, and that is... Sure. Ben, enter our nemesis. Sam, Sam Cassell? Sam Cassell. Yeah. Sam Cassell getting set to check in for the World Star. Sam Cassell checks in. Sam Cassell, the impressive rookie out of Florida State who has really come on in the playoffs. Had that uh, terrific game in Game 7 against the Phoenix Suns here at the Summit. I have my notes. Sam, Sam Cassell checks in in capital letters, fuck me. I mean, this guy made our lives a living hell and it's 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 kind of crazy because he had a wonderful nba career a wonderful nba career and of course he really exploded on the scene uh as far as my memory goes you know which is again the memory of like a 10 year old kid but really during these 94 playoffs yeah of course he was a rookie yeah as 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 a rookie breaking our heart and um you know it reminded me so much of uh of Rajon Rondo um, mm. playing with that with that championship Celtics team. Yeah, the 08 um, Celtics team, yep. Yeah, where it was sort of like there was this unheralded rookie and no one knew what he was doing there exactly. He was just supposed to be coming off the bench, but it, he was kind of right. he was kind of outplaying he the guy that he was playing in behind and it was like right. wait, can this can this like uh second round draft pick or late first round draft pick actually play starting point guard on a championship team could that be possible and it was like within the blink of an eye all of a sudden like those questions were answered where it was like oh yeah so sam cassell is going to be the starting point guard for a championship team or like oh yeah rajon rondo is just going to be the starting point guard for this championship team yeah it's such a great comp because rondo of course like not part of the big three you know didn't really have any like sort of focus or attention on him at, at that point no wait but he was like totally like that team's like secret weapon like yeah. they were like he was because he he didn't have you know as much like kind of attention on him he was able to just kind of like do what he wanted and i remember like i don't remember watching that series that closely but like there were games where like they won because of rondo and like shit he he was able to to do um while the uh you know all the attention was on the other three guys um do you remember and, uh, yeah. who he was um backing up uh wait Casella rondo do you remember who rondo was backing up on the on the celtics team Oh, I don't. I think I I, th- I thought he was already the starter by then. No. No. On a oh wow. Uh, wait, let me think. Uh, 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 shit. Um, he had a great career. Mm. Was in the league. I think at that point it was like his thirteenth or fourteenth year in the league. That. Hmm. I don't know. Hit me. 
Sam Cassell. NBA players are competitive guys. They always want to win, and that is true whether it's a playoff game or just friendly competition during workouts. Recently, we found out that Celtics guards Ray Allen and Sam Cassell have a small rivalry going on at practice, and each one feels like he has the edge. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I definitely would not wild? have remembered that. That is wild. It's like so full circle, I think. Wait, yeah. Cassell was on Boston? Sam Cassell was on the championship oh, Boston the, team. His final year in the league. Shit, he played 17 games for the Celtics. Yeah. Wow. In yeah. 08. Yeah. That's crazy. And he was... How about that? Yeah, he was, Sam Cassell was brought in to effectively be like the veteran game manager. You know what I mean? Like the right, way right. NFL teams bring in like a sage quarterback and, you know, it's like his job is just to like manage the game, you know? Yeah. Sam Cassell's job was like, hey, we're you're here to just help Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. And we have this rookie that we drafted, but he's not going to be ready yet for a few years. And it was like pretty quickly, it was like, oh, wait. Rondo should definitely be the starting point guard. <laughs> Crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Wow. Anyways, Sam Cassell bursts onto yep. the scene and ruins our life. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Not looking forward to watching him for the next uh, six and a half games. Um, <sighs> but, uh, yeah, let's see here. So moving through the first tiers, uh, it's tied 21-21. John Starks hits his first basket along two uh, with just under a minute to go in the first God. Um, yeah, oh, at one 30, point around the 34 minute mark I just say every basket every Houston basket the camera just wobbles literally like NBC has affixed a camera to like a buoy out in the ocean and each crowd celebration man causes the waves to mm-hmm. sort of rock and mm-hmm. the broadcast gets more and more wobbly so it, there's this correlation between the crowd getting excited because of a made basket and our wobble getting more and more like unstable and more and more just torturous. Yeah. Yeah. It is absolutely contributing to a, um, a mental decline, um, on my part. Uh, it, it, and again, more like, it's not so much the, the, the movement, which is nauseating. Like that's, that's a physical con- sensation that is unpleasant, but that I can deal with if I need to, you know, I can take some Dramamine or whatever. Um, but, but it's the, it's the mental, just, uh, like kind of like inability for me to like explain or understand um, what's happening that is the true that that is the that is the crime that that i have no solution for you know that's that's yeah because that's it does where it's just like, like it's just doing whatever it wants to me when the graphics unabated. when the graphics start like speaking and changing colors and stuff that's mm-hmm. when it seems intentional. Like this is a form of torture that someone knows we will be watching, and 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 someone is trying to like yeah mess with it. It was like it was like gaslighting. It was basically like gaslighting, yes. where you're like, wait, n- like did I just see that or no? Maybe right. maybe it wasn't um, like exactly. But then I would like replay it and be like, nope, no, nope, that was nope, definitely, definitely a happened. subtle move. Yeah. And then sometimes it would like kind of go for a few minutes without moving. And then it would just be like a violent wobble, and yep. I would just be like, "Oh nope, it's still there." Um, yeah, and like again, in all sorts of ways, it like changed and evolved throughout the game. Um, at one point, like uh, later on in the second half, I'll mention it when it happens. But it, there's like a literal, um, <clears throat> like a little vertical line, uh, like blip, like you would see on like you know an old VHS tape where you're like, "Oh, it wasn't a wobble; it was actually like." 
one of those little like static lines or yeah. not vertical but a, like a horizontal line yeah. but scrolling upward um, a, as like it flipped from one shot to another um, which was like a, suddenly like a new uh, like movement that it hadn't done before um, yeah really uh, really incredible uh, to to experience uh, and um, yeah again as we said uh, just kind of fitting in perfectly pairing perfectly with the uh with with the game uh watch here sam cassell hits a driving scoop layup to end the quarter as as the clock oh yeah that was a sweet move yeah very jordan-esque cassell time running out cassell with a spectacular shot cassell able to hit on the driving hook yeah he just always seem to be hitting these kind of shots i might even i might even go as far as saying that that was kind of like his trademark Aside from hitting like just like very clutch buzzer beatery kind of shots, oh yeah, trademark. dagger threes and driving. Yeah, but driving and these like acrobatic like scoop like how did this how did this alien just pull that off? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just like mm-hmm. spinning the ball off the glass, just making no sense. And yeah, uh, yeah Sam Cassell. So we are at the end of the first quarter. It's twenty six to twenty four. Um, the Rockets are up by two. The, mm-hmm. uh, you know, story of the quarter is just basically Rockets are struggling with their shot early in the beginning of the first. Patrick and Hakeem both get into foul trouble with two early fouls apiece. Uh, other than that, you know, 26-24, it's a fairly close game. A lot of opening uh, jitters to start the game. But, you know, it's fairly close. So let's uh, yeah. let's move on to quarter two and uh, just, just breeze through this as quickly as possible. Yeah, we get a, uh, let's see, it's tie game. Yeah, again, like, uh, teams are pretty evenly matched, it looks like. Um, you know, Elijah One's doing some damage, but other than that, there's, like, not a whole lot that Houston has going forward for it. Uh, there's an awesome play uh, after uh, Anthony Mason steals the ball and then throws, like, this perfect, uh, like, long football pass oh, down yeah. to a uh, streaking Greg Anthony, who then just bounces it behind him to Charles Smith. Mason with the steal, and here's Anthony ahead of the field. Nice play as he finds Smith. I mean, a gorgeous outlet pass by by yeah. uh, uh, to to Greg Anthony from Anthony Mason. Yeah, and that was an awesome play. Man, what what was funny about that sequence is that Mason hurls the pass down the court, and I put in my notes like it looks like a baseball or a football style pass, and the way he like pulls it back and just like bombs it down the court with one hand, and mm-hmm. he does that as literally as Marv Albert. He's yep. telling a story <laughs> about how Pat Riley was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys to play defensive back. And Marv explains that that Riley wanted to play quarterback and he had a meeting with Tom Landry. And Landry basically told Riley that, you know, he couldn't play quarterback because the position was already filled by Roger Staubach. But anyways, it was just funny to me. It was like as we were having this conversation about football. Uh, Mason just bombs the ball, you know, Hail Mary style down court with uh, just an absolute strike, an absolute strike of a pass. Remind me of like Randall Cunningham finding like Randy Moss just streaking along the the sidelines. Yeah. So it's all tied Um, up 32-32. It's funny when you mentioned uh, the football thing. I thought what you were gonna say. I guess I don't. I forget if they said this in the same breath. But along with the uh, the Riley football connection, um, at one point, uh, either at that point or like a little bit uh, shortly after, um, they remind us that Sam Cassell was the backcourt partner uh, at Florida State of a one 
Charlie, Charlie Ward. Ward. They're a different team from the first time. When you looked at the score, 86-70, Duke was up by 25. But Charlie Ward was not starting at the point guard slot. They made an adjustment. They put the ball in Ward's hands, who has it here, and they moved Sam Cassell to the scoring guard slot. Ward, of course, has an opportunity to become the number one quarterback. Back door, sir. Excellent. Future Nick, Charlie Ward. Um, imagine that backcourt, Cassell and Charlie Ward uh, at Florida State together. Yeah. Um, pretty wild. So let's see, at 44.50, we have a return of the news for storm warning graphic. Wow. Oh, there it is. Crazily. There it is. A drunk sea captain. Yep. I mean, the thing is, at, for stretches, it is completely still and static. So you're like, like if it is a person holding a video camera, I don't see how they could hold it like that still for like long stretches. Yeah. And then just suddenly decide to move it. Um, it re- like, I don't know. I like I again just trying to figure this out. Like, is there a chance that somehow? Like the VHS tape would would like warp and degrade in such a way that that this would happen. It doesn't make any no, sense. No, yeah, man. I mean, we doesn't we, we, make any we're sense. talking about a graphic being bent. We are talking. You know, have you seen um, like footage of? You know, it's absolutely terrifying to see footage of an earthquake where like a street will literally like wobble like, like yeah or a bridge yeah, yeah exactly. suspension bridge yeah. yeah and and you literally just see like the bridge like waving mm-hmm. like 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 a literal tidal wave you know what i mean um yeah that is what happens here with the chiron where what is supposed to be a straight little bar becomes a wobbly bar and um it just defies you know it defies common sense it defies graphics it defines gravity defines you know (laughs) it 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 defies logic completely yeah 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 um Um, so let's see moving on here a little bit we've got uh a timeout uh with about 641 left in the second quarter god uh, Houston's now up um, 39-34 after Sam Cassell penetrates and dishes to Robert Ori for a corner three. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, yeah, this is a team that also has Robert Ori on it, um, yep. whose name will be coming up again. Um, we get back from commercial. Of course, this is a broadcast uh, without commercials. So in lieu of the commercials, we get the News 4 T-Storm warning graphic uh, to talk about. Um you know, basically, uh, just uh, as long as the uh, the video is giving us uh, something to occupy our brains, it's uh, it's all it's all good. It's great. Uh, whatever you got for us. Um, uh, but anyway, at forty seven minutes, we come back, and what happens? We have a little uh, 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 you know sort row? of celebrity celebrity row uh, rundown here from NBC. Uh, we get a few names: Ray Childress of the Houston Oilers, um, Spike Lee, of course, yeah. Penny Hardaway in a very dope-looking shirt. Yep. Yep. Um, we get an Evander Holyfield, yep. a Warren Moon, and then, as the final celebrity in Celebrity Row, <laughs> longtime Nick fan Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis. One day, one game after our Richard Lewis Boku draft, he pops up, and I I mean, it just felt. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I shouted, I screamed at my computer. Um, 
I mean, I don't know uh, at this point what it means. I don't know what, what kind of a sign this is. What, what kind of you know uh, significance we should take from this? Um, I mean, but it's, it's undeniably his right as a man of the '90s to be there. You know, <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, what kind of uh, you know girlfriend problems he's he's working out by uh, by attending this game? But I just hope that uh, that yeah. he figures it out and that. Uh, yeah, that if he ever needs to talk about it, um, you know, just uh, grab a Boku and and, uh, and and just tell us what's on his mind. Um, my uh, my notes at this point begin just reading like a uh, begin reading like a uh, like a like a seventeenth century like journal entry or a letter to a family <laughs> member back home, where I'm just like, <laughs> dearest Ben, it is quarter two, with four minutes and fifty five <laughs> seconds left. Cold sweats persist. <laughs> The NBC broadcast camera continues to wobble at sea. Uh, I have great many concerns that I can make it till quarter four. Your humblest servant, Swish FM. Um, yeah. On man. one positive note, Richard has appeared in my dreams. Yes. I don't know if he is a ghost or if he is real. At this point, but I he, am like... But, but he came to me in the night. Here's what I wonder. Are these vocal people out of their mind? I'm sprawled out on my couch. You know, just cold sweats. Um, Frank, my dog, is looking at me at this point. He's licking my forehead, you know, checking my temperature. It's yeah. just, it's bad, man. It's really bad. At the point that Richard Lewis appeared on screen, I absolutely questioned my own sanity and, and whether or not this was, in fact, an image that I was hallucinating. Yep. Um, uh, you know, at this point, all bets are off. I really have no way of knowing. Um, but the fact that you saw Richard as well um, gives me some, you know, sh- shred of hope that, that it was uh, real. That, that, it, that it was real, yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, it's very possible that we, uh, you know, uh, sort of simultaneously hallucinated him uh, independently of one another. Sure. But you know, uh, yeah, totally possible. All right, Starks hits a three here. It's now forty-three thirty-nine. Um, we get a dream shake. Attempting to defend against Akeem Olajuwon. He's this time, for uh, Anthony Mason is the victim. Now it's 45-39. Rockets are up. About three minutes left in the quarter. Um, we have Patrick with a very nice-looking reverse layup. Uh, 49-43. Rockets up. About two minutes left in the uh, two minutes left in the half. Yeah, yeah, Hakeem's looking good uh, at this point. He's like eight of ten, I think, or maybe yeah, uh, I forget exactly where we are. Uh, he has been unstoppable. Uh, Thunder's Marv at one point. Um, yeah, Houston up forty nine forty one. In my notes, oh god, Hakeem misses a fadeaway, and the camera wobbles everywhere. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Now the camera is just. Um, yeah, it's all over the place. Uh, I mean, I'm talking. Yeah, actually, like, I, I had that exact moment. Yeah, yeah. fifty-eight thirty. I had that exact moment also mar- marked in my notes. Uh, I, I have written here a quote: "This long shot of a Lajuan, the frame is swaying and warping. It literally feels like I'm on mushrooms. Uh, I am going to throw up." Yes, yes, yes. I mean, the, literally, like the frame literally goes on its side. We are we are basically watching a TV show on on the side, like literally yeah, on its yeah, side. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, as if as someone, if someone like, 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 you know, like dropped the, drop camera the camera and you're and seeing you're it seeing like on the ground. ground. Yep. Um, but um, it's still but filming. It's still filming. Yep. And then we get a reverse angle. NBC gives us a reverse angle on a Hakeem uh, dream shake. 
simultaneously with a tornado Ooh. warning in Lincoln, in Lincoln <laughs> County. And at this point, I have begun throwing up everywhere, Ben. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> that is one hour. That's at one hour uh, and 10 seconds on the nose. Let's find it. So we are at the half at this point. Yeah, halftime. Houston's up 54, 46, 46 at the half. Yeah. Um, a, a totally like normal, respectable NBA halftime score sure. um, for 1994. Uh, you know, both teams shooting, I think, around 50%. Yeah, at, this, um, at this pace, you know, the game will be probably in the 90s, maybe low 100s. You know, yeah. perfectly normal yeah. NBA game. Totally good, entertaining NBA basketball. Um, it does feel like the Rockets are just kind of like a slightly better team. Like, with Olajuwon playing the way he's playing, Yeah, like, the Knicks are like hanging around but they just like it kind of just sort of feels like ooh yeah we're not as quite as good as this team I would have said the same thing though about when we played the Pacers you know what I mean where it was like when we played at MSG it would be like oh we're the better team and then we go to Indiana it's like ooh maybe we're not the better team and so some of it does feel like well you know Houston's at home. They have the home court advantage. We're hanging in there. They're playing better. But, but you know, the fact that we're, like, hanging around is probably a decent sign. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about halftime, though. We, uh, uh, yeah. All right. So we need to discuss this Prudential halftime report. First of all, the letters of, of on the graphic, the Prudential halftime report, literally do the wave. This is the Prudential Halftime Report, brought to you by the Prudential. Peace of mind. It comes with every piece of the rock. Halftime at the summit. The Rockets, after spotting the Knicks an early lead, now up 54-46. Yeah, it's extremely disorienting and, and displeasing. It's Yeah, again, it's not even that the graphic is like, moving left and right at this point it's warping like it's being stretched like it is yes. actually elastic almost um, like it's glowing now. like like the letters and the numbers are like like glowing like in and out like fading in and out yeah yeah it's extremely uh hallucinogenic um and yeah and then we get magic johnson yeah magic uh, joined by bob costas uh magic says hakeem's you know a threat from inside and out which makes him so difficult and then wait bob costas asks magic if pat riley would prefer stylistically whether he would prefer a nitty-gritty hard-nosed defensive group like the one he has with the knicks or a Magic Johnson era Showtime type team. Well, he would prefer the Showtime with a leader. See, but they don't have a leader to do that. That's Whoa. his problem. Are you available? <laughs> oh At my the God. right price, yes. <laughs> I totally, totally missed that. How Jesus. Wild, dude, how wild is that? So, first of all... It's fucking crazy. It does seem like Magic was saying maybe that he would be open to playing for the Knicks. Like, I think that is sort of like the insinuation beneath this is that like, yeah, you know, Pat Riley secretly wants to have showtime in New York, but he doesn't have a player capable of running it. And then dude, Mm -hmm. I did a little research. In fact, it seems that magic actually tried to engineer a trade to New York before. Yes. Before he unretired in 1996. Now his agent, and I think people around magic, sort of have like tried to downplay this downplay or walk it, it back. yeah but like magic openly there's a quote 
Magic says, I wanted it to be the Knicks, but we couldn't work it out. Magic Johnson told the Daily News in early February 1996. It was a little bit more than just talk. We had talked about it, what it would take, the whole thing, and the Lakers said no, and that was the bottom line. So, and then, you know, of That's course... That's so weird. Why was he still... So, was he still under contract with the Lakers in 96? Yeah, I guess he was still under contract with the team, and he didn't want to... Um, you know, he the, the Lakers at that point were really rebuilding, right? Like, that was yeah, like... Yeah, the, they were not good, yeah. I guess the, what, Eddie, before Sh- Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel era? Lakers, yeah, exactly. Right? Bef- like before Cedric, Shaq got there. Cedric Sabalas. Sabalas, yeah, Eddie Jones, Van yeah, Exel, yeah. 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 And the Knicks were obviously a championship-ready team, so Magic... But not really. I mean, 95, 90, like, I, mean, I guess with Magic, they would have yeah. been okay, but no. Riley wasn't even on the, uh, on the team anymore. He left after 95. Right, but this is 94, so I think Magic was thinking, hey, look, right. you know... Right, like, when he when he tried to... Oh, I see, but... huh? Yeah, so when he couldn't get a trade to the Knicks, he realized that basically the Lakers weren't going to let him go. Um, and his only option was going to be playing for the Lakers. But that Weird. sort of like blew my mind a little bit that yeah. like at one point Magic Johnson imagined himself playing with Pat Riley's Knicks and like leading oh Showtime at Madison Square Can Garden. Can you imagine like no. the Knicks defense with an, like an actual like offensive engine? Sure. That would be I mean, insane. Uh, of oh, course, man. like I have no idea how they could ever acquire Magic, and I'm sure they would probably have to gut the team in the process of acquiring someone like Magic Johnson, but just makes you, you know, obviously, like, your mind goes crazy, but yeah. Yeah, that's certainly a what if. Um, Ah, Ben, and then I write, wonderful, how could this seasick adventure get any better? We move on to an interview with Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson joins us at the half, Ben. Fantastic. Bob I love that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I love the Costas. So I didn't re- like. I took a lot of notes on the Phil Jackson interview, but I didn't realize that already before even uh, turning to Phil, uh, that NBC and Bob Costas were already so aggressively pushing this narrative of like, oh, Pat Riley, you know, his style of play, like that. This was like such a fucking talking point um, back in '94, yeah. and like how everyone was like, you know, so pissed at him for like ruining the game and like yada yada. Um, and I mean, like Magic made those comments. I mean, Costas like kind of like cued him up, um, where he was like, you know, Riley's been getting a lot of criticism about like his, their style of play. Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it was and then very... they turned to Phil Jackson mm-hmm. for you know a uh, a a, a uh, you know an alternative voice, if you will. Uh, and they're like, hey, Phil, you hate the Knicks. Uh, what do you what do you think about uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Pat Riley and, and his yeah. yeah. Um, and apparently, I didn't also had not remembered this, but Phil had given some extremely harsh quotes about the Knicks in the Boston Globe, yeah. um, just like bitching about the organization and how like you know none of them like treat him with respect or some shit. Um, even though he like used to play for them like twenty years ago, who gives a shit? Um, he's just like being a big fucking whiny baby as usual. Um, you know, obviously like bitter about losing to uh, to the Knicks uh, in the Eastern Conference semifinals, and uh, yeah, just as usual, like, oh, please, I don't want to talk about this. Uh, don't don't quote me, but uh, yeah. By the way, Here's I think Pat point. Riley's ruining basketball. Right, yeah, right, right, right. right. S- such a slimy ass. Yeah, it was very in vogue, clearly, to talk about like the Knicks' ugly play. Like you're you're yeah. absolutely right. Like from a media perspective, like there was no. It, it was just like very fashionable to talk about how the Knicks played ugly basketball 
Right. And, and it's like, okay, how about you like talk to the fucking refs then? How about you talk to the league and get them to change the rules? Like, like Pat Riley is a like, coach just coaching his team to the best of his ability. Yeah, I mean, the it's The same like, way the Pistons did, the same way, like... Right, like, it's interesting that it was referred to as ugly basketball, not winning basketball. All right, so ready to hop into third quarter here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the first thing I note was that uh, we have Vernon Maxwell. Say, babe, you know what we got to do? 24 minutes of tough defense, baby. Keep them off the boards. Somebody told me they got two offensive rebounds. That's, that's good. Let's keep it at that, baby. Let's go out and play some tough defense and get this win, baby. We know what we got to do. One, two, three. Rockets, um, Psyching up his teammates, telling him, t- telling them to uh, keep the Knicks off the offensive boards. They, they got Vernon Maxwell queued up, uh, or I should say mic'd up. I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, it seems like the quarter opens with like four or five missed shots. And yeah. each time the camera just wobbles harder and harder. At one point, John Starks literally falls off the screen on a curl, and we nearly go like fully sideways. Yeah, yeah, it's not not great for my uh, my emotional state. Oh, I like this little quote that they that they show John Starks uh, saying, "We have yet to play our best basketball. The pressure was on us just to get to the finals. The championship to us is going to be a breeze." Could not agree more, John. Um, This is certainly a breeze. Um, As we all know, the Knicks' whole brand of basketball is, uh, in a word, a breeze. Um, That's like their whole style. Dude, I don't Um, think I really noticed that quote. I think at this point I was so seasick. The idea of even looking at words on the screen and trying to read them. like Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Marv kind of, like, remarks how he later, like, pulled it back. He didn't really mean that the Rockets would be a breeze, just that the pressure would be different, Um, yada, yada. But uh, just really love that choice of words, John. Um, (laughs) Thank you, John. Again, a a breeze is exactly what this feels like to me. Um, It's just a a, not even a a strong wind. Certainly nothing like the uh, the news for a tornado warning. Just Mm. a just the subtlest, slightest little breeze through my hair. Uh, on like a uh, you know a nice little summer summer day, um, so yeah, let's see here. We've got some. I'm awfully seasick. We have Olajuwon struggling. He turns the ball over. Derek Harper converts in transition. It's now 56-53. Rockets are up by three with 7:52 left. And for the first time, aside from the celebrity you know celebrity row sort of thing, for the first time I noticed Spike Lee uh, sitting courtside. Oh yeah standing up like at every play yep yep exactly yeah that was his patented move is just make sure that everyone knows i'm here by while everyone else is firmly in their seats i will stand up and raise my arms uh to become you know as as prominent and obvious a uh, a fan as i can possibly be just to make sure that everyone knows that i am here yep and I'm rooting for my team. Thank you, Spike. After a series of Houston misses, Hakeem hits a jumper, and the camera ne- nearly tips over completely at this point. It's 58-53, <laughs> um, Houston up by five. And then, um, you know, back and forth, Robert Horry hits a three. Rockets now up by eight, 63-55. And then we have nine straight missed shots mm, by the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Nine straight. Yeah. <laughs> With I have in my notes classic Knicks nine straight misses uh, after a, after a Ewing miss. Mm. Uh, John Starks has gone completely cold. It turns out they don't really have um, other players on their team yeah. that are really quote unquote what you would call shot makers yep. or basket getters. Yep. Um, they have dumping it down into Patrick Ewing, and then they have 
Charles Oakley taking long twos. Those are like literally Dude, like their, I, their their two plays. I have the same note. Basically, like we have no shot makers. Like if Patrick can't, like if Patrick can't carry the team on his back, we have no secondary option. Yeah, there's no creation. There's no like drill penetration dishing out. Right. There's no one that can draw a double team. There's no one that can like you know slice inside. They don't really like seem to like draw plays. Um, there's no like you know ball movement to get to a guy coming off of the screen. It's just yeah, it's just uh, it's it's '90s Knicks basketball at its finest. There's about um, a minute left, sixty-nine, sixty. Houston is up by nine. Uh, an interesting moment. We have Charles Oakley trying to calm down John Starks, who's like oh yeah, pretty much flipping out. And Mar- yeah. Mar- Marv says <laughs> we have two very emotional ball players, both the Knicks and the Rockets. Discuss things in full view. Yeah, N- nicely put, Marv. Well, right, right before that, Cassell and, and Otis Thorpe were arguing um, on the court uh, after Cassell threw up a, a really bad shot, um, and then right on the other end, uh, Starks throws up a wild shot of his own, and, and now he and Oakley are getting into it. Yeah, um, you know, uh, just uh, just a lot of a lot of grown men just acting like babies. Um, Seventy-one, sixty-one. Rockets up by ten, headed into the fourth. I think I thought the third quarter score was actually seventy-two, sixty-three. Oh, you're um, definitely right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mason hits a hits a free throw, or not hits a couple free throws at the end of the uh, quarter. Honestly, um, like my experience of watching this game is very unreliable. Like my notes are very yeah, unreliable. Me too. I, I, I I'm was literally so. Seasick and drunk. Like yeah. I try to watch as little as possible. Um, yeah, yeah. And just sort I definitely of, I, had my hand. I had my hand like over my face for at least three quarters of this game. I was just trying to allow the game to happen to me and finish. And I, I could say that like I got through it. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, this game was an experience. I mean, it was our. I mean. Not unlike our race car experience at Market Square Arena in Indiana, like yeah, I have no idea what future games hold in store in terms of the broadcast bin, but right, right, I, I literally can't imagine doing this again in game two. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know either. Um, uh, I haven't looked at any of the the next six games that we have in front of us. Uh, haven't haven't opened those files yet. Yep, uh, I have them all. You have a response. You have a responsibility to not look at them. Yeah, no, no, I will not be giving you any warnings. You have a responsibility to allow us both to go into this experience completely blind and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, my God. We don't know know which ones have commercials. We don't know which ones have, uh, you know, hallucinogenic camera work. Right. Um, speaking of which, if you want to, um, that, that little, um, like, uh, horizontal line upward, like blip, yeah. uh, effect, if you want to check that out at one thirty four forty five, um, I can show you that one as the camera changes from Starks, it, it flips over to Oakley. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Did you see that? Of course. How could I not? <laughs> like that was a new one, right? We hadn't seen that, uh, up to this point. Um, my God. Yeah, no. yeah. It's just they're they're just throwing all sorts of different effects at us. It's yep. just like, oh, are you have you become accustomed to the usual like swaying and wobbling? Like, mm-hmm. okay, we'll mix it up for you. We'll, we'll we'll give you a little something new to just keep things fresh and fun. Yep. Um, in my yeah, notes, I'm, in my notes, I begin the fourth quarter with, my God, no one can make a shot, and this suddenly feels like the perfect marriage of camera broadcast and basketball play. Literally, mm-hmm. everyone missing shots, so much wobbling. 
the the bar, the manipulated uh, you know film that you mentioned. Uh, it's just it's the perfect it's the perfect thunderstorm. It's the perfect tornado. Yeah. Um, I also loved how at the start of the fourth quarter, Marv um, notes how hot and humid it is in Houston with yep. temperatures in the nineties. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, maybe maybe it's heat madness that has overtaken me. Yeah. Maybe I'm suffering from some sort of uh, you know f- like time and space displacement. Um, uh, uh, you know, re- reaction to the, um, the the weather in Houston uh, in, in this June night. Um, and I'm suffering heat stroke. That's a total possibility. Mm. Um, really, everything is on the table at this point. Well, on um, that note, uh, you know, we have Vernon Maxwell on the line. And 139.30, we have a fan removed for taunting? Yeah, yeah. A fan was apparently being um, excessively um, uh, flagrant in his uh, in his uh, kind of, um, you know, jeering at the refs or whatever. Um, Dude, so they wrote, just... There are some real, like, WWF vibes with this moment. Like, the way the ref comes over and sort of dramatically, like, points out the fan and, like, mm-hmm. chucks him out of the arena... It's like, yeah. this feels like this could be happening at, like, a tag team match. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very theatrical. Um, yeah, they go all the way to the corner. Both refs, there's two yeah. refs pointing at once. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Um, and, like, the other fans in the stands are, like, standing up and shouting in, in, in reaction. Um, yeah, very weird moment. Yep. Um, Marv, oh, yeah, so I love this little um, segue that Marv pulls here where um, he refers to the uh, the fans taunting as like a heavy barrage of profanities or something like that. I, I would think uh, it was a heavy barrage. We'll try to check it out uh, for you. Meanwhile, the Knicks with a heavy barrage of misses. They have not been able to hit 18 of the last 20 shots. The Knicks with a heavy barrage of misses, <laughs> uh, which I thought was a really nice little... Uh, little segue turn turn a phrase there by marv um and uh yeah he is correct um the knicks are not shooting the ball well nor are the rockets for that matter it's 75 63 70, or 75 65 with mm-hmm. about 10 15 to go um At this point in my notes i just write the knicks can't win this game there's no way they can yeah. win this game they look awful starks is now oh for the last seven three for yeah. 15 on the game yeah, after another miss three, he's now three of fifteen, um, which is, was another memory that I that had kind of evaporated. Yep. Of course, Same we man. know of his infamous stat line from Game Seven, seven but I was right. like, um, yeah, I didn't realize that too. that Game One was also also not great. Um, but Chris, I've got really good news for you. Uh, you know, I'm nervous as hell. Uh, to save us from this nightmare, Jesus Christ, man! Why did we I have another genuine gonna, draft, genuine I, moment? I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> Miller Genuine Draft presents Genuine Moments. Tonight's Miller Moment goes back eight years to the day. Rockets and Celtics, game six of the 1986 finals. Larry Bird putting the finishing touches on the series. Bird with 29 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists for a triple-double. Celtics beat the Rockets 114-97. The Rockets were eliminated four games to two. The Celtics winning their 16th NBA title in recognition of this moment. Miller Genuine Grant will donate $1,000 to the Thurgood Marshall Scholarship Fund. Ah, Ben. Oh, yeah. The Miller Genuine Draft. Thankfully, Ben, this time it's Larry Bird and the Celtics. 
Yeah, and, yeah. As yeah. you as you sit and watch your team miss shot after shot after shot after shot. Here are some highlights of a uh, an NBA legend uh, who always uh, performed well in the NBA Finals. Larry Bird <laughs> dropping a triple double in an elimination game yeah. in the '86 Finals against these Houston Rockets. Yeah. Um, what a performance. Can you imagine uh, yeah. having a player of that caliber on your basketball one, team? One thing I did take solace in is that finally it was the Rockets who were getting made fun of instead of the Knicks. Yeah, that's true. But it, yeah. it, the, the implication was sort of like, uh, here's Larry Bird and the Celtics, uh, you know, like a, like like a great team, a great player, unlike the buffoonish, you know, <laughs> two teams yeah. that you're watching right now. <laughs> I mean, the idea of getting a triple-double with, like, 10 assists, like, I don't think a single Nick player got 10 assists in the entire 1994 NBA playoffs. Um, Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm pretty, like, I haven't researched to, like, confirm that, but, like, I would be shocked if, like, Derek Harper, like, certainly, like, it would have to be, like, someone like Harper or, no, like, Greg Anthony didn't play enough. Like, I don't think that anyone ever got 10 assists um oh in God, a single no. game for the new york knicks yeah um, like I, I just can't imagine that happening yeah one um, uh 144.50 we have the graphic with the field goal percentage we have a graphic that reads field goal percentage in the first and second half so in the first half new york was shooting 46 percent houston was shooting 54 percent pretty damn good mm-hmm. and yeah. in the second half <laughs> new york shooting 22 percent houston shooting 29 percent just, is that bad? Oh, that not for me, man. For me, that is a dream. <laughs> that is a dream situation. Yeah, my kind of basketball. Um, I'm having a great time as well. Yeah. Um, I love this game. Again, at this uh, point, Frank has brought a uh, a bowl over to me on the couch. I am just hurling, just like like convulsing, vomiting uh, uncontrollably. Um, we are shooting 22% in the second half. Now Patrick hits a shot. He he has 21 points. And suddenly mm-hmm. it's 77-71 with six minutes left. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, how the hell are the Knicks still in this game? I literally have it at the exact same point in my notes. How are the Knicks only down six? Yeah. like um, that makes Because no- it really feels like they should be down 15 or 16. And at this point, I'm wondering if this is part of the drug trip. I'm like, maybe I, maybe I misunderstood that. Maybe I imagined that. But right. no, like it's possible that I just didn't watch an entire quarter of this game, right? Um, and now I'm just like kind of coming back awake. I don't know. No, but they're only down by six, and there are six minutes left. And you do the math; like they could definitely win that game if some things break right. So then, Patrick- yeah, I mean, listen, six six points in six minutes is not going to be easy for this team. <laughs> um, but I think uh, you know, with, with a little luck and some and some. Uh, and some, you know, I don't know, some, some lucky shots falling. Sure. It's possible. Sure, sure. So Patrick rejects or steals the ball from Mario Ellie, and that leads to an Oakley missed field goal. Then, yep. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> key play, sure. big Ewing steal down to Oakley, who clanks the long J. But then yep. Patrick does it again. He hits a jumper. Ewing. Yes. Rocket 79, the Knicks 73. 79-73. How are we still in this game? There's four minutes and 26 seconds left. Yeah, this is right after uh, Ewing um, uh, pushed Olajuwon and drawing his fifth foul. That's right. uh, Which was a scary moment, but Riley keeps Ewing in the game. Right. um, uh, You know, putting trust in his big man to, uh, to, to finish it out. 
Um, Dude, one thing that was see. wild that I forgot, Marv talking about how Robert Ori was traded to the Pistons yeah. for Sean Elliott. But, totally forgot about that. Yeah, but the, I guess the deal fell through because Elliott failed his physical, and obviously Robert Ori would go on to just a legendary career here in the NBA, you know, making a name for himself, hitting all these clutch shots, breaking so many hearts, and it's sort of impossible to imagine the Houston Rockets of the mid-90s without guys like Sam Cassell and, of course, Robert Ory. Yeah, I will say, though, I was pretty surprised because in 94, uh, I believe this was Ory's second year in the league now, and he was, um, you know, sort of definitely a, a promising yeah. you know, young player, but he certainly, uh, Sean Elliott wasn't like an all-star. Like, Sean Elliott oh, was nasty yeah. in, in like 93 and 94 right. on the Spurs. Right. Um, and I was pretty surprised that, um, I mean, I guess it was just, you know, we're, we're trading for youth and, and potential with, with Ori. Um, but uh, I was surprised that that was if that was going to be like a you know one for one deal. Um, that would have been a, a pretty big get by Houston. Um, you know, at least for the next couple of years before Elliott kind of declined and Ori, um, you know, took off. But Ori was never like you know a, an all star. He was he he was just like a fucking clutch role shot player. maker in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah great role. Really player. good at, at his role, but certainly not like a you know second or third option. Um, but um, yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah. Somehow, after a, a Mason offensive rebound, oh. um, he yeah puts it in with the and one huge play, um, pulling the Knicks to within four seventy nine seventy five with two fifty three. Um, Mason's and again, first it's just, field goal of the game, and it's a huge one. Yeah, man. It, it, it's a huge yeah. one, man. It's uh, you know the and one, and suddenly Mason going to the foul line to try to cut it to a three point game, mm-hmm. and. The thing is, I really can't tell because the camera is wobbling so hard, but yes. <clears throat> Mason's free throw, he misses, and it's it's way off, but it's, it's oh, actually yeah. hard to tell whether it's a make or a miss because the camera wobble is so intense, it's like he either threw the ball into the crowd or he made his shot. I literally can't tell which it is camera swaying with every dribble at the free throw line Ooh, yeah that is not a i mean i think it just clangs yeah it clangs so hard off the side of the rim that it almost goes into not the baseline but the sidelines mm. um which is difficult to do on a free throw um uh anyway yeah so he misses that um i think at this point uh marv notes that the fourth quarter score so far is 12 to 7 um, a reminder now there are two minutes left in the quarter so um, 12 to 7 uh, on the quarter is the score and Marv notes correctly this now is the Knicks type of game uh, and it's like totally true like if the Knicks are ever going to win yeah. one of these games it's going to be exactly like this where they can't make a shot but at least they prevent their opponent from also making shots so they just together miss shot after shot um, and hopefully they can win the game um with like you know a couple free throws or something yep um anyway yeah it's 79 76 after starks makes a free throw following yeah. drawing the fifth foul on hakeem which was a big play the next d really clamping down hard um starks shoots a three and he airballs it uh, was he rejected? No, he was not rejected. He just airballed a three uh, with a minute 35 to go. Yeah. Then we get a pretty pretty bullshit foul call on Anthony Mason, who is guarding Olajuwon. Now, it's interesting throughout this game, Olajuwon saw lots of different looks um, from the Knicks on, on defense. You know, Ewing guarded him a lot, but also uh, Mason and Charles Smith 
spend a lot of time guarding him to save Ewing, um, you know, uh, his energy and his fouls. Um, so for, I mean, a, a pretty significant portion of this game, Anthony Mason is actually guarding Hakeem Olajuwon. Yep. He does a decent job on him uh, since Olajuwon was, was really uh, kind of stifled in the second half. He had a huge first half uh, with like 19, I think, in the first uh, half, but uh, it slowed way down in the second Um uh, but here, yeah, Mason is literally just put like he's just holding his torso with both of his hands uh, as Elijah One's kind of like trying to back him down to the post. Um, and it was just obvious enough that the refs were like, okay, you can't just hold him. Uh, so they call a foul on Mason. Elijah One hits one or two, rockets up four now, 80 76 with a minute 15. Uh, on the other end, clutch, clutch, I mean, uh, you know, critical, critical possession here uh, for the Knicks, down four, uh, and Greg Anthony throws the ball away. Uh, bad, bad balance pass to uh, Starks, who's trying to curl off a screen. Greg Anthony kind of pressured by Kenny Smith. Uh, it's kind of unclear, again, with the camera movement. I don't really see yep. what exactly happened call? there. Right, right. Yeah, but uh, but basically Anthony uh, sends a bounce pass just sailing out of bounds. Um, my question here, though, was why Anthony was in the game at all. I don't know why. Like Derek Harper, like I feel like he wasn't like he barely played um it feels like actually i'm looking at the box score now yeah harper played 29 minutes um but uh but yeah for some reason he was not in the game at the end there greg anthony uh as the uh as the ball handler yeah i wonder what that was uh, about. yeah crunch time um anyway have, on the other end yeah kenny smith to otis thorpe for the dunk it's 82 76 with a minute left yeah yeah, in stark contrast uh, to Greg Anthony's point guard skills, uh, Kenny Smith drives into the paint easily uh, and puts a perfect uh, dime into the hands of Thorpe for an easy one-hand slam. Um, just, uh, you know, burning Anthony on both defense and offense, back-to-back plays. Um, Knicks call timeout with a minute left. Um, they now flash the field goal percentage by half um, again. And we see the Knicks shooting 24%. Uh, so that is actually an improvement from the last time they showed that graphic um, when it was 22. And uh, Houston uh, is shooting 27% from the field. Um, and let's see. Uh, Hubert Davis. Uh, there's a after timeout play. Um, Hubert gets it. Uh, uh, wide open shot. Hits it. And I'm like, oh, was it a three-pointer? Uh, of course not. It was a long two. Um, Knicks down four now, 82-78 with 58 seconds left. Um, and the Knicks defense now really clamping down. They force Robert Ori into a long three that misses. Right. You're like, okay, we've got a chance here. Um, we've got the ball down four, 50 seconds left. And they just can't, they, they just don't know what to do. There's yeah, they just, can't uh, find a good shot on the offensive yeah. end and they're stuck with Patrick forcing up a three. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a long three top of the key. I mean, it's, he wasn't off by that much, but it's just not, no, it actually rims out. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It could have gone down. That um, should have been heat. Like anyone should have been taking. So it's no good. The Knicks are forced to foul. They're down by four. There's 24 seconds left. And effectively the yeah. game, the game is over at this point. Um, the game is over. However, Chris, there is a uh, still a chance here um, to make a little history um, because Marv points out that the fewest points in a quarter in a finals game, the record uh, for that is combined uh, points for both teams 
in a single quarter of a finals of any finals game going back all the way to 1955 Syracuse versus Fort Wayne. We all remember those two uh, (laughs) beloved NBA franchises, Syracuse and Fort Wayne Uh, in 1955 um, when, you know, it was a, um, there was a shot clock, I believe at this point, this is the shot clock era. Um, But uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say it was not, not really the same game being played. Uh, and so in 1955, Syracuse versus Fort Wayne, they combined for 29 points in a finals game quarter. Uh, and the fourth quarter tonight has both teams sitting at a combined 26. Wow. So there's a chance here uh, if we if we can, um, you know, get lucky that we can make history. Um, let's see. Starks to the line. Uh, no, sorry. Cassell to the line. Wait. Starks with Smith three-way. Yeah, yeah. Cassell to the line after being fouled. He hits both free throws. So that puts us at 28 points combined. We're still one shy of the record. I think we can do it. Can we do it? The Knicks have the ball, the final possession. Um, uh, Oh, they also note that the Knicks have made eight field goals in the final 19 minutes of the game. Uh, I don't know if that's bad or not, um, (laughs) but that was a stat that they shared with us. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. So final play of the game. Ewing misses a three. Uh, Knicks get the rebound and Hubert Davis uh, misses another shot. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, so we did it, folks. We set the record for uh, lowest uh, combined points in a quarter. Um, yeah, the Knicks um, had uh, Knicks and Rockets combined for 63 points in the second half and uh, 28, which is also a record for fewest points in a half. So they set two records uh, for scoring in a half and in a quarter. Uh, John Starks finishes the game 3 of 18, uh, missing his final 10 shots of the game. Um, And uh, Marv, uh, as if he needs to remind us, uh, finishes up our broadcast saying, as we said, not pretty basketball in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. Love that. Um, Yeah. Thank you, Marv. Well, that's it. So So the Rockets. Yeah, we did it. Rockets take game one. Um, some of the um, most beautiful, bla- some of the most beautiful basketball I've ever seen. Some of the, yeah. uh, you know, some of the best shooting I've ever seen. Uh, just a, a total joy to watch. Um, at this, an point, absolute delight yeah, and pleasure. I'm just super relieved to have gotten through this experience. Um, I've lost probably ten to fifteen pounds, um, <laughs> I, and. Um, <laughs> You know, like, yeah, I'm severely dehydrated, uh, both from that desert heat uh, and, of course, from vomiting, from vomiting. Uh, no fewer yeah. fewer than a dozen times yes. um, throughout this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I was basically watching the entire second half yep. from my toilet. Yeah, um, my dog at this point uh, is just I, nursing me back to health, trying to give me yeah. some saltines and some chicken broth, and I, I just won't have any of it. And mm-hmm. um, boy, oh boy, I mean... It feels great. We have this experience, Ben. We can say that we did it. We can say that we took these um, hallucinogenic Nick uh, Houston Rocket drugs in game one here. Mm -hmm. And um, who knows really what game two has in store. Um, But we do know that it will be at... uh, at the the summit, the the summit in Houston here, um, mm-hmm. that beautiful red and yellow yeah. and orange, my favorite colors, yep. just swirling around um, in in my head, just you know swimming in a sea 
of like burnt orange and and like just like kind of like 80s red um yeah a beautiful color combination to go with some beautiful basketball and uh it's so funny yeah i i would normally ask about how you're feeling about our prospects for game two but frankly like i remembering my capacity to think or feel anything after this game Mm -hmm. i um I really am not there yet. Like, frankly, I am just at this point so, uh, like, completely physically drained, psychically drained, that, like, we can talk about game two um, when we get to that podcast. Because at this point, mostly I'm just thinking about getting to bed, um, trying to reset my digestive system. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, it's, it's touch and go. We're going like an hour at a time here. Uh, <laughs> really? We're, we're not We're not even thinking about tomorrow. Yeah, no. Right now I'm just focused on vitamin C, water, sleep, um, avoiding like noises or bright lights or sounds. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Psyched for, uh, for the game to rewatch. I'm sure it will be very healthy and therapeutic for us. Yeah, I can't wait to do this all again. Um, I hope under the exact same circumstances, um, because uh, yeah, this is this is great uh, and really fun and pleasant. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, unless you have any, no. you know, final thoughts. No, in the words of my co-host Ben, a pleasure as always. <laughs> a pleasure as always. That's why I say it. Yeah, yep. I, it's 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 a true statement every time. Yeah, man. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. Uh, get some rest. And take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk to you in a little bit. All right. You too, my friend. All right. Bye. Bye. You can listen to Switch FM. Switch FM.